And what's the ultimate goal? Shit, world champion, man. Yeah, that's the the first stage. Just world champion, pay per view star, <laughs> be the best that I can be, and and just inspire and help people around me. If I can come from nothing, you know, in in, in a flat in Brixton when it was just my mom and my um sisters. Like, if I can just come from a flat like that, yeah, yeah, from nothing, didn't have a pot to piss in, I didn't even have one pound for Mufti Day. Yeah, oh, we used to have syrup sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, shit yeah, like if I could come from that and not have nothing come on man you can achieve anything welcome back to the Take Flight podcast with me Mark Whittle a peak performance podcast where we speak with the best in sport business and lifestyle And I hope that hearing these stories of success will inspire you to take action on your own goals and achieve the things you truly desire. Today's story is one of the best we have had on the podcast so far, by a mile. The guest for episode 29 of the Take Flight podcast is professional British boxer Isaac Chamberlain. Isaac grew up in Brixton in South London and when he was only 11 years old, his cousin was stabbed and killed which is insane to think that at that young age he experienced something like that. So to avoid the inevitable gang life, Isaac's mum took him to a boxing gym. Because it felt like such a community at the boxing gym and coupled with his pure determination to make something of himself, he set the huge goal of making it professional. Isaac turned professional, fighting his first pro fight in 2015. He has 11 fights under his belt now, 10 wins and 4 knockouts. In this episode, we talk all about that single loss to Lawrence Coley in front of 20,000 people at the O2 Arena and how it was actually the best thing that's happened to him as it's led to him completely re-evaluating his regime, the team around him and how he now vows to take complete ownership of his decisions. And you can see the difference in his Luke Watkins fight. He said everything felt completely different. We talk all about the unfortunate incident with his uncle and ex-coach who stole money from him and the guys sadly still don't speak to this day but it's something that seems to happen in boxing quite a lot, those fallouts between family and and coach and fighter. And I'm not sure whether Isaac's ever spoken so openly about it before, so it's a genuine honour to hear the story on Take Flight and hear all about it and what his experience was like with that. We discussed the mindset required to be the very best in sport, which I loved hearing about, particularly because it's boxing, it's a completely different level. When you've got to get in the ring and fight someone for 10 rounds, as Isaac does, he speaks all about how he's trained his mind to believe there's no plan B. And it's such a powerful way to look at your goals. I think it was incredible. Aside from everything that he's done, Isaac just blew me away. His attitude to life is unreal. He's such a positive, happy and truly inspiring guy. And I love sitting down and speaking with him. I promise that this is one of the most inspiring stories you'll hear. From not having a pound for Mafti Day to professional fighter fighting in front of tens of thousands. It really is amazing to hear what he's done. And even more exciting, with this brand new team around him, I really believe that Isaac is on the crest of a wave of success and I can't wait to see him as the future cruiserweight world champion. A massive, massive shout out to my brother Rob at First Wealth who connected me with Isaac and you'll hear how that went ahead at the beginning of the podcast episode here, but really good guy, represents a bunch of people like Isaac and hopefully in the future myself I'll be getting involved with the guys. So big shout out to Rob, thank you for making this happen. But without further ado, please enjoy episode 29 of the Take Flight podcast with the incredible Isaac Chamberlain. Isaac, welcome to the Take Flight podcast. Thank you. Mate, thank you. I'm, I'm pleased to be speaking with you. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, I know. It's a bit of a random situation here. Like, we'll, my mum and dad is all moving, so obviously there's going to be a lot of noise, but <laughs> we'll be all right. It should be all right. We're sat... On the floor in your mum's house. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get real in that. <laughs> but yeah, mate, I've been I've been really looking forward to speaking with you. And a big shout out to the guys, uh, Rob and who else was it? Who who else do you speak to there? No, just Rob at First Wealth. Yeah, you know, shout out to Rob, man. He's a very good man. He's a very good guy, man. You know, I have a lot of time for him. You know, real one of the real people in this world, man. Yeah, mate, I agree. Do you know, it's really weird how it come about because. I got a message one day and it was just like, are you still around for coffee? And I was like, oh, fuck, did I agree to go for coffee with someone? <laughs> and it just happened that it was it was Rob and he was he's based in Marleybone, isn't he? And I was doing a podcast in Marleybone that day, met with him, and then this is how this came about. So he was like, yeah, I can link you with Isaac. So, so yeah, big shout out to Rob. Um, so, mate, to kick things off, 
Yeah. Why boxing? How did it start? How did you how did you get into it in the first place? And kind of yeah, what's um, what's that story all about? Basically, my mom took me to the boxing gym when I was about 11, 12 years old, and she took me to the gym because because when where we was growing up in Brixton, because obviously there was a lot of gang violence, and obviously my cousin he just passed his GCSEs, and obviously he got stabbed. Really? Um, yeah. How old were you then? I think I, around 11, 12 years really? old. Really? It was really sad for everyone, innit? And obviously she didn't want me going down that um, same route. She didn't want me going down that same route. But what, stabbed and killed? Yeah. Oh, so wow. yeah, he didn't want me going gangs and all of that stuff. And obviously we're growing up, it's something like you're going to get dragged into anyway, just because everyone's around the area. Yeah. You see drug dealers and they have um, lots of money and flashy cars and you're like, right, I want a bit of that. Oh, I'm going to do what they're doing. So it's not, it's like, that's kind of what we looked up to when we were younger. And lucky for me, I found boxing, you know. And the only reason why I kept boxing is because even though, like, I was terrible, you know, everyone starts off, I was terrible. Like, yeah. I was getting bust lip, bust nose, whatever. They kept telling me, oh, Isaac, you can be a champion. They tell all the coaches, they always say this, Isaac, you can be a champion. Isaac, you can be something. And I never heard those words of encouragement from my mom. I never heard those words of encouragement from teachers in school I never had anything like that so obviously I was like wow these people think they, I can do something yeah. so obviously that's why I kept coming back that's why I kept coming back you know just to hear those words of encouragement again and I just kept consistent with it you know I just kept going I saw guys that were way better than me they stopped they tried to come back they weren't as good mm-hmm. I, was just, I just kept going I kept going and that's, that's, that's what was one of my main attributes as a person and that was my consistency because I just kept going no matter what yeah. So did you feel, before you got into the boxing, did you feel pressure to be in those gangs? Did you like have um, people speaking to you about that? It's, it's not even something that no one talks you into. It's just that you're around a group of friends, you do what, you don't want to be left out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if your group of friends are going to do something, you want to you wanna be like, oh, right, they're doing that, oh, I'm going to go with them because it's going to be fun or whatever, whatever. Yeah. You don't want to be like the odd one out because then when you're the odd one out, like no one wants to like fuck with you, do you know what I mean? So it's, it's it's it was one of those things like just to be to feel like you're a part of something. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's certain kids they got neglected by their parents and stuff, and they looked for that connection in gangs, and they looked for that connection in their friends, and that's basically how it all it always is. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm kind of glad you know that I got out there because I've had so many friends you know that's passed away or in prison right now because of this lifestyle. So you know I'm I'm really blessed and fortunate yeah. to have reached where I've reached. Yeah, mate. No, you're obviously doing amazing. It's 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 crazy that just those few words of encouragement that you heard in at boxing training was what made the difference. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's crazy because the 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 funny thing is they're shutting down youth clubs and shutting down all sorts of things to keep these kids busy. It's like they don't care or something. I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. Like youth clubs and stuff. That they, I believe, they were helping a whole lot. You know, they were helping a whole lot, but. It's crazy, man. Yeah. You know, I don't know why they would shut down what was helping the youths, you know, stay out of trouble and get connected. If everyone knows each other, no one's really going to go and stab this guy or stab that guy or, or kill someone else. They'll, they'll kill someone they don't know. They wouldn't be like, if everyone's together, like in the youth club, everyone, you get, you make friends, playing basketball, playing football, whatever, you know, it's you, be, you start to be cool with everyone. Mm. So how are you going <laughs> to stab someone you're tight with? Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and and they're taking it all away so it's, it's I don't really know how to get my head around that one yeah it's that community feel isn't it I suppose like that's like what the boxing gave you yeah 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 definitely yeah. just to feel like I'm a part of something and um, when you're young yeah it's like it's just it's like right you're a boxer now you're showing <laughs> off like right you can fight you know you can always think that you can fight because you're boxing and stuff and it was nice do you know what I mean that's why I kept going because it, it, it made me feel good boxing made me feel good yeah and what, you said you were 11 when you first went? Uh, around 11, 11, 12, no, around 11 and a half, yeah. around that age. And what did you think when your mum first said you, you were going to go there and she was going to take you? She never told me, really. <laughs> she just brought me there. <laughs> she never told me. But when I saw it, I saw it, I saw the sweaty walls, I saw the gym sweat, I saw the um, the smell of the gloves, I just fell in love with all of it. It was yeah. disgusting. But I loved it. <laughs> what, like straight away? Straight away, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I saw these two 60-year-old 60, 60 men just sparring in the ring and it looked brutal. And I was thinking, wow, like, and these guys, they weren't even doing it for real. 
Like it's, it, it was nice. It was a great experience, you know. Like my first time in the gym, it was a great experience. It, it made me really like. It was just fascinating. I've never seen anything like it. And what about like the first time you got punched in the face? Oh shit! <laughs> wow. <laughs> first time I got punched in the face, yeah. I think every boxer goes through this. I don't know. I went through it. Like when you get hit so hard, you really start to reevaluate if you want to continue in this sport. <laughs> Like you see, there's, there's different types. You know, there's there's ones where you get hit and you see white. There's ones where you get hit and you see your ears are ringing. There's ones where you get hit and you see red, and it's just like, you know, your 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 equilibrium is kind of gone and you, you can't really show the opponent. So you have to look at their chest because if you look at their head and their head is always moving, you'll go off balance, balance really? as well. No so way. you have to look at their chest. So it's little survival tactics, and yeah. it's 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 funny, but it's 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 like life, you know. Everything after doing it for so long, you get used to it. You know, you, you get used to it. Like now, if I get, I don't really remember the last time I got really hit like that, because obviously I've I've gotten a lot better. And when you do, it's kind of like okay, I kind of imagine myself in the opponent's shoes or what in the opponent's shoes like what is what is he thinking after he just tagged me but he doesn't know mm. that he affected me with that punch so I'm gonna be like okay just act like act like everything is normal act like you know everything is is cool like you just did not feel and won't even realise you're like bluffing a little bit yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you have to always have a poker face you know <laughs> and then you just realise you just think to yourself ah oh, this this time will pass you know 30 seconds whatever and, and, I, and I like boxing because Little things, just little things like that, that can apply to everything in your life. Yeah, you know, if if you're going through a tough time, it's not gonna last for long. Like if you get hit with a shot, you know that feeling is not gonna last for long. If you get knocked down, you can always get back up. You know, if your life is down, there's a, there's times like you know when you're broke, and there's times where you're gonna have a lot of money. <laughs> you know, there's times where you're gonna feel happy. There's times where you're gonna feel down. You know, it's, I think it's just it's just life. It's just how it is. Yeah, mate, that's amazing. I love that you said that. <laughs> There's that, true, Ty- there's that Mike Tyson thing in there, like everyone has a plan until you get punched in the until face. Until you get punched in the face. Yeah. yeah. But you need to know what to do when you get punched in the face because not everything's going to be like, you're not going to go into a ring and never get hit. You're not going to like swim without getting wet. You know what I mean? Little things like that. Yeah. You know? Where do you think you've applied it? Like obviously you've got massive resilience and you spoke about how you could be consistent with things anyway. Yeah. From what you've learned like in the ring, how does that transfer outside the ring? Um... Not much, you know, because I don't really live a normal person's life. Mm. I try to keep my life as simple as possible. I'm live. I'm just. I'm going to the gym, then I'm going home. I go to the gym and I'm going home, and it's even better now because I got. I'm living in Sutton now. That I'm just. My, the gym is five minutes from where I live, so it's a lot easier. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a lot easier, and I'm more focused on boxing. You know, so it's just nice. Like I just. All I have to do is just plan everything I do around training and making sure I'm healthy making sure I don't get sick or <laughs> things like that just making sure I'm in the gym if I'm in the gym I'll always be ready yeah how do you make sure you're staying healthy like how what do you do with regards to your recovery and is it like um, diet specific or what are you doing really like you know like people always think it's it's a uh, People always think it's like you have to you, you have to go on a diet to do stuff. You have to no. It's, I think everything is just a lifestyle. You gotta make everything a lifestyle. Like boxing, I made boxing my lifestyle now. I put my whole life evolving around boxing. Mm. You know, so I just eat right normally anyway. You know, it's always yeah. about your performance. Obviously, sometimes you're gonna have a chocolate bar here and there or whatever. And like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But what's your favorite chocolate bar? Boy. I don't even have a favourite. I just no. pick one. Any. <laughs> Any one still. <laughs> but I don't like Mars bars though. No. No, I don't like Mars bars. Mate, do you know what? That's so good because it is important. But like, again, you mentioned consistency already. Like, to be consistent, if you make it the lifestyle, it's just who you are. It's what your identity is. But don't get me wrong. It's not It's not easy, you know. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, you're still human. You're still going to think like, because obviously, I sacrificed my whole childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I sacrificed my whole childhood. Like, Normally, when people go school after school, people go play out and stuff. I would be in the gym. You miss out on little stuff like partying and going to uni and doing all of that stuff. And you can see the the, the champions, yeah, and how how their mentality is compared to a normal person. Like a normal person, they'll talk, they'll know, they'll have experience in oh yeah, pulling birds and whatever, whatever, hmm. whatever. 
but like if if a, a guy that's dedicated their, their whole childhood it's kind of like they re, I wouldn't say they react a different way but they just behave different and I realised that like I, I fully realised that being around different type of champions and stuff like like guys that's been boxing since young mm. and sacrificed all of that they, they their mentality is different because because you're around these coaches in the gym so much you're around them all the time they're always giving wisdom and giving advice and you're just soaking everything in you don't really know anything else because when you're young you're like a blank canvas yeah. like you're soaking up everything so you don't really know anything else so when a guy a normal guy my age comes up with certain stuff it's, it's, sometimes it's a bit like different it's a bit confusing yeah. like you don't really know what they're talking about how can I say it? it's like we're a product of our own environment yeah. you know whatever we've grown up to you know what I'm going I know <laughs> yeah, yeah like what you're surrounded by affects how you're going to turn out how in the long run out? yeah definitely you know do you, do you feel like you maybe missed out on some of that stuff or do you feel like the sacrifice has 100% been worth it there's always thinking like raw did I miss out or stuff that like sometimes it's, it's always going to cross my mind, mm. you know, but I've passed that, you yeah. know, it would have, it was crossing my mind a lot more before I started reaching the level I'm at. Yeah. Cause obviously it's like, well, I'm working, I'm working, but mm. what is happening? Like there was a time where it was like two, three years. I never had a fight, like amateur fight. And I was trying to turn professional and I was begging guys, begging managers, oh, please take me on. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Sometimes I was thinking, right, then those times I was more thinking, right, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Come on, like, what's going on? Now, obviously, it's a lot different. Do you know what I mean? Now it's a lot different. Like, I've had about nine amateur fights hmm. because in Miguel's, it was a good, it was a great, it's a great boxing gym, but they weren't really focused on the amateur system. So, obviously, I couldn't really progress properly there. Yeah. Is that the gym that you left? No, no, that's the gym. I was at I was at Miguel's. That's where I started off. Oh, uh, okay. Miguel's okay. one of the best boxing gyms. Yeah. You know, one of the best boxing gyms I've ever been to. And they, they welcomed me when I was young. They always welcomed me with open arms. You know, they're, they're good at... They have great professionals there. That's why I always wanted to turn professional. But the amateur system was a bit like... I don't know. The amateur system, I don't think, was their main, main focus. But the professionals I was always training with the professionals you know at 2pm 2, 2 I was always picking up stuff from them and learning that's what made me want to really turn professional it's one of those things man it was like I was consistent in the gym but inconsistent in, in trying to get the fights and stuff because yeah. I was trying to get asked for fight, um, ask my um, the amateur coaches for fights blah, blah blah they'll be like yeah they're looking but they can't find any they're looking but they can't find any so obviously after a while you're like what's going on mm. man? do you know what I mean like, I might as well turn professional because obviously by then, I, them times there, I was not making no money. The janitor in, in Miguel's gym, his name is Delroy. I was very, very close to him. He used to give me like £5 a day to get some food and yeah. then go home. Legend. You know I mean? Do you still speak to him? Yeah, all the time, yeah. to this day. Yeah, nice. to this day. You know, <laughs> I'm always talking to him, asking him for advice and stuff. And he was saying, he was always telling me, Isaac, you got a hard road ahead of you. You got a hard road ahead of you. Like, you got to be smart and you got to you know make the sacrifices now he was always telling me you got a hard road ahead of you and obviously now I understand because the politics in this game is crazy yeah you know what I mean that like, is crazy but I still come and see him all the time you know I still always come and see him and, and he's like a he's like a definite father figure for me yeah that's amazing man <laughs> I love that man you need them people in your life don't you definitely I want to talk a little bit more about them sacrifices because I was thinking about it today you know it's really funny that you you, you bring it up and yeah. sometimes I just wonder why we're so ambitious. Why, like as human beings, generally speaking, why are we constantly driven to achieve things and, and be successful? Because it's exhausting, isn't it? Like, there's times where, like today, I was just thinking, Jesus, I, I wish I just had like a normal, easy job <laughs> and could just like chill. But then, obviously, the downside is you you end up sitting at home wishing that you were doing more. But then, when the times that you are doing more and you are achieving things and being successful, like you are, mm. then you know there's times when you you probably feel like you want to take a break and have a bit of a relax. So yeah. I guess the question just is like, why do you think people are so driven to be to be better all the time? Do you know what's crazy? Like, I don't even think that's a lot of people. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, like, I, I don't think it's everyone is like that because there's a lot of people that's really comfortable with where they're at right now. Do you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't really think that's a lot of people. But for me, you know, why I'm so driven is because it's just... I don't know, it's just something that's... It's, it's it's a mixture of what I want in the future 
and what I've been through already. And it's just a mixture of both of them. Mm. Why would I want to quit now after everything that I sacrificed and that I put myself through, the blood, the sweat, the tears, and the future, you know, 2019 is going to be the year where shit gets real now. Like, it's going to be the real blow up. And because it's so close, it's like, I got to keep pushing. I just got to keep pushing one more, keep pushing. It might not even be close. That's the crazy thing. It might not even be close, but in my head, I'm thinking it's so close because in boxing, your big break could just happen anytime. Yeah. So it might not even be close, but in your mind, you have to be so, you have to be so deluded, yeah, to think, <laughs> you know what? I don't care what's happening. I don't care what's happening around me. I'm going to be, I'm going to be something. I'm going to be a champion. I'm going to be, you know, all them times. I'm, I'm kind of glad that I didn't give up them times where I didn't have no fight or the times where I was looking for a manager to sign or whatever, or the times where I was inactive because promoters that they didn't want to put me on the sh- on the show and all of that stuff. I'm kind of happy that I trained through all of that. And a big inspiration is someone like Dylan. Someone like Dylan, he got he Dylan took what? a he took a yeah he took a over the counter drink yeah, and they try to say it was a banned substance. That's all bullshit. And then after they banned him for two three years over a stupid ass over the counter thing, which they they done they done him dirty. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, he. I remember I was in the gym when he was on his ban and he was in there every day. Really? Like, you're there every day. Like, he didn't stop. You know, so he obviously he deserves everything that's coming to him. He yeah. should have been fighting Joshua instead of Miller. But he deserves it. If I'm, ar- if I'm around people like that all the time, because we used to take the bus together after training, we take the 159 bus to Streatham <laughs> every, like, after every training session at night. And he was still on it. And it's basically still the same person now. So for me to witness that and for me to see that, what's like, what's stopping me? Like, what's, yeah. I can't really think like, oh yeah, you know, it's not in me to be like, oh no, let me just stop, or because it's, it's just I don't even think about it once. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just think, raw, this is my life. I never really think, ah, oh, boxing is hard, man. Or, I can't be asked. <laughs> like, it's, it's it's one thing where like I'm actually trying to remember when I've ever fought like that and I don't think I have you think it was in you from when you were born um nah I don't think that I kind of think was it more like who you surrounded yourself with like seeing people like Dylan do that inspires you to do it yourself yeah sometimes I think sometimes I think you either have it or you don't sometimes I think that or sometimes I think you're born with it or sometimes it's just something that's inside you but people don't really get that because they, they never get tested in that way yeah that's interesting man you know I think, what I mean? yeah that's actually something I wanted to ask you about you know like the typical reaction in times of anxiety or stress like we all have a fight or flight response yeah obviously you take it to that like the next level of actually like a physical fight but we all have that response within us that makes us either fight or flight yeah of course oh, like when I was young like when I was when I was like 13 14 like when you were getting ready for sparring and shit, you're scared. Obviously, yeah. with your first fight, you're like, "Oh shit, like this is mm-hmm. a bit mad." Like, obviously now you start to realize you you grow into more of a man. Now you start to realize, right, this is my job, isn't it? Like, yeah. like this it is what it is. You're tired. We just have to go through it. Do you know what I mean? You have to just go through it. Does it get easier? Like, obviously, yeah, you've had quite a lot of fights now. Is it the same fear every time, or does it get less scary? Um, do you know what the last fight that I had? Yeah. The, when I when I fought at the Copper Box against Luke Watkins, Luke Watkins is like number three. He was number three in the UK at the time. Yeah, because obviously before that I headlined the O2, mm. and that was a like the maddest experience. How many people were there? Thousands, uh, on it. Twenty thousand. Yeah, something like that. Um, when I fought at the Copper Box, it was kind of that was the first time where I was like, right, I'm used to this. Yeah, this really. Shit. Yeah, I was like, this is my shit. I'm gonna win, <laughs> but I, it's just how I win. Like, that was my mentality. I'm going to win, obviously. It might be a scrappy fight, it might be a shit fight, but I'm going to win. But I was thinking about how my performance would be, not if I would win or not. Mm. Like, I was that confident because I did everything I could in the gym. I did everything I could in, in training. I did. I slept well, I recovered well. I've, everything was perfect. I ate right, great for like 10 weeks. Yeah. Not a single bit of fast food. I was like, listen, I put in the work here. And this guy, he doesn't have half of my skill. So, of course, I'm going to finesse him. That's so good, though, because what you're basically saying is you were thinking about the process rather than the outcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just how how I'm going to do it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Was that like, is that something that's put into you during training and like with your coaches? Not really, but like before that, you know, before 
that I was training with my listen I'm going to have to be real on this podcast now <laughs> I'm going to have to be real this Please. is this is the realness on this, on this podcast before I fought at the O2 and when I was with my uncle in African families like it's like oh the uncle has to do this and da 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 da, da. he tried to be too controlling so he didn't allow me to be myself it was kind of like I was putting a bit too much into him yeah. do you know what I mean so when I headlined the O2, you know, it was crazy. Unfortunately, you know, that was a shit fight, hugging contest, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I lost that fight. You know, that was my first loss. I was distraught. You know, yeah. I was distraught. I, did, I thought my world was going to end. And then, obviously, after I found out some family problems, he, he stole money and stuff. And so was he still working with you for the Akali fight? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but after the fight, obviously, money issues happened and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Family and business never mix. <laughs> so, obviously, that shit happened. And then, obviously, I was in, like, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was in a dark place, but I was, I was sad. Like, I was, I wouldn't say I was depressed. Listen, you see, depression, yeah? Depression is a thing where once you're out of it, you'd never realize you was in it. Mm, couldn't agree more. And I didn't know. I don't know if I was depressed. I still don't even know now if I was depressed or not. Because <laughs> I didn't know what I was going through. I was just sad. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to speak to anyone. Every time I go out, people are stopping me. Fans are stopping me. And I wasn't happy. Like, I was like, shit, like, I let everyone down. Like, and uh, I didn't really want to see anyone. And obviously, on top of that, the, the, the thing with my uncle happened. And it was just like, raw, like who can I trust now? Yeah. Were you feeling down because you lost the fight or with the family yeah, every, stuff? Everything, everything, everything. Like, yeah. everything came into one. What I realised, yeah, what really made me open my eyes, yeah, was you're responsible for everything. Like, everyone can be around you, but you're the only person that gets in the ring because when you lose, or if you lose, it only affects you the most. Hmm. Because after everyone else just goes about their business like obviously I saw my uncle I was trying to look at my uncle to see if he if he felt any way he was just like yeah 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 oh well, you know what we live to fight another day da, da, da. he got in his everyone just like he, he put on his um he got his training stuff like his pads and all of that and he left do you know what I mean like everyone else they, they dispersed like and I'm the only one that has to suffer with the fact that shit I lost yeah like it's not everyone, it's not anyone, it's me. So I have to be responsible responsible for my career. I can't put so much of it like I did in my uncle. That's what really made me grow. That's what really made me like change into the fighter that I am and the person that I am today. So that's why I, I'm so grateful that I went through that experience. I'm so grateful that I even lost that fight because obviously if I won, it would have just been the same. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really be where I am right now I wouldn't be where I am right now mentally I wouldn't have taken control of everything yeah. the way I was supposed to like a proper champion because yeah. I was putting it all into my uncle do you know what I mean man, so, I love it man it's like bro it's, it's mad it's that ownership bro. isn't it you yeah, take you ownership you had it. to I had to like because if I don't it's the same process I'll be stupid to do it again it's, yeah. this, it's the same process if I don't it was one of those things where I was just like no, I have. To, it's like you either do it or you're just you're not gonna move on. You're not gonna yeah. move forward. So obviously, a friend of mine, his name is Marcus Williams. I was shouting him, like I don't, oh, oh, shit. I, I went through some mad shit. Basically, obviously, I was looking for a new coach and blah blah blah. So I tried to go with my the coach that used to train me when I was an amateur. His name is Carly Carew. He was he was old school, but he was just too much, man. He was just like he want. He was like, oh, let's go to Gambia, and I was like, huh. <laughs> It was like, yeah, go to Gambia to clear your head. But obviously, with everything that I've been through, I was like, okay, let me just go then. So I went to Gambia. It was, uh, it was, it was like really nice. Like I was like, it really made me clear my head. Like I was doing all, I was helping orphans. I was building yeah. wells. Amazing. I just like to do charity stuff. Like how long were you there for? About two weeks. Nice. Yeah, I was there for about two weeks. It was nice. Like you know, <laughs> I helped, It was like walking across the beach and stuff, and it was just like relaxing. But obviously, we, 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 we didn't fall out, but the training wasn't right for me. He tried to change my style too much, blah, 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 blah. And he was, like, way too old school. And then I kind of felt the same way, like, the way my uncle was feeling. Like, he tried to be too controlling. But this time, I was like, no, fuck that. That's not going to happen this time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I said, listen, mate, we can't, we can't work. 
because I have to take control. But the thing is, in, especially in African families, when you're their son or you're younger, they still think you're that little young boy. Yeah. I'm not that young boy. Like, do you know what <laughs> I mean? I'm a grown man now. And sometimes you have to, you have to show it sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so obviously I was, I was like, we can't work. And obviously Marcus, who used to be trained by Carly, Mark was like, ah, oh, how, um, he, he just kept asking me, oh, how is it? How is it? Because he knows <laughs> what I was going through because he went through the same shit. So obviously he was asking me, oh yeah, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? And I was like, brother, this is terrible for me. <laughs> but these times I moved into, I just moved into something. And he was like, oh yeah, I got a gym. I got, um, you know, a guy, Angel Fernandez. He's working with Jorge Rubio. I was like, what? Jorge Rubio? The one that trained, trained Amir Khan, David Hay. He trained um, Luis Ortiz, Rigondeau, like yeah. all these amazing world champion boxers. And I was like, rah, like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, he's there. where's he based? Because <laughs> I was thinking to myself, listen, for that trapper training, I'll travel hours. Do you know what I mean? He was like, where's he training? He said, it's Sutton. I said, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I said, wow. Like, are you serious? He was like, yeah. I said, I live in Sutton. Were you already there? Yeah, I was already there. And he <laughs> was like, be, man. he was like, nah, nah, this is God's plan. This is God's plan. <laughs> and then I was just like, all right. So, and I went Done. there. I was training with Angel Fernandez. It just, it was just, I just loved every minute of training. Yeah. You know, I couldn't wait for the next day sometimes I could I was in bed and I couldn't sleep because I couldn't wait for what I was going to learn the next day no way mad bro mad I couldn't wait that's awesome man. and it was like that Angel was like a really you know me and me and his connection you know as a trainer and a fighter has gone a lot better since we started working with each other I was still like sceptical because obviously who the hell am I going to trust after what's happened to Mark yeah. <laughs> I can't trust nobody so obviously but obviously you see him he's, he's, a, he's a really honest guy you know, he's a really honest guy and, and he helped me through a lot of things, you know, and his teaching is amazing. And the good thing about him is he allows you to be you. You know what I mean? Mm. He allows you to be you. Obviously, there's a there's always a bit of, of a clash, like, you know, with, with, like, teaching stuff. And he's like, okay, you have to throw it this way. but And then I'm thinking, what, what if he comes back with this punch? Or da-da-da, you got to do it. So, obviously, we're always trying to mix things and try and, try and work things out tactically with each other do you know what I mean and, yeah. and it's good because that makes us both better do you know what I mean that makes yeah. us both better like a good team yeah yeah it's a very good team so nice. obviously I built that you know I built the strength and conditioning coach Alex Stott you know I built my nutritionist everyone do you know what I mean I built everyone so like I put everyone into my team so I know that it's it's like I'm I'm comfortable with it do you know what I mean it's not like when I was with my uncle like I was yeah, everyone was from him do you know what I mean so again you're taking ownership isn't it yeah I took ownership of everything yeah. do you know what I mean I took ownership of everything mate there's a, there's a few things I wanted to say just about that like mm. I think the first one was when you were talking about how you lost that the Akoli fight and you were in a bit of a bad place ultimately it is you at the end of the night every night with your own thoughts isn't it so yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got to be able to take ownership because it's your own happiness that's at stake basically mm-hmm. um, which I think is really really important I think it's a really good thing that you said and then there was another thing I was talking with someone the other day about a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And that just like proper rung true to me then when you were talking about your old coaching situation with your uncle. Obviously, it's got you so far, but then the reality is, you know, what got you here won't get you there. Yeah, that's true. And that's, that's the true. thing where, you, you know, you've taken that next step now and it sounds like you're, you, you've got a really good team around you that you've handpicked yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and because I've handpicked them myself, if anything happens it's down to me because obviously mm. I've done it. It's not like uh, I can put the blame on anyone. Do you know what I mean? So it's down to me. So, you know, it's a, it's it's like, I'm kind of glad, you know, that I've went through all of this. Yeah. Because now, like it's real now. Like now it's like, okay, we're full steam ahead because look at the performance. Look at the difference in, in the performances between the, the Coley fight and, and fighting Luke Watkins. Completely different. Like everyone was like, wow, like I didn't know Isaac was this skilled. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's because sometimes people would hold you back. Do you think that if, like, I don't think it's going to happen, but do you think if you lost now, having taken responsibility yourself and build your own team around you, it would be a different feeling to had, you know, when you pass it over to your uncle and he's looking after everything for you, and then you lost because you didn't feel like you had control. Whereas now you've built your own team around you, it's all your decisions, it's your training, and it's your responsibility. Would it be a different feeling? Yes and no. 
it, it depends on a number of factors, you know. It depends how I lost. It depends um, on what happened. Like, I don't know. It, it kind of depends on, on that. Because obviously, it's, I'm the type of guy, it's do or die, man. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go get out the ring thinking, shit, I could have done more. You know, I'm not going to go into the ring thinking I could have done more. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I will give everything. But if I've given absolutely everything and then, and unfortunately it wasn't good enough, then boy, I hold my hands up high in it. Like, yeah. you know, I tried in it. Do you know what I mean? I fully tried. Sometimes some things like God is not trying to give it to you right now. Sometimes it's not meant to be. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But shit, I'll still be upset. The difference between the other fighters because I wasn't in control. Yeah. And because I wasn't in control and the people that was in control just left and went about their business like everything is okay and I'm still feeling like shit. You're kind of thinking, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, that's why it was a bit like bullshit, man. Mm. Yeah, another thing on that as well, I'm just thinking like it's difficult to get in the ring and have a fight with someone. That's a hard thing to do, right? It's difficult to have difficult conversations as well, though, especially if it's involving your family. Like, was it? How did you ultimately speak to your uncle and part ways? Oh, bro. Okay, it's another story, boy. <laughs> Basically, yeah. What happened was, I was in New York. This, this was like, no, no, no. Like, this is like after the fight. Obviously, I didn't know he took money and all. Mm. After the fight, came to the, um, I came to his house and I was like, oh, um, he no, he came to me and he was like, oh, you know, sign this. So that when you're in New York, they can pay into his accounts. When you're in New York, um, you don't have to worry about none of that. And obviously, you say you um like don't have to worry in it. And obviously, he'll pay everybody that needs to be paid. Blah blah blah. So I said, okay, no problem. I'm in New York now, and you know the time, the, the difference in time is yeah. different. And I'm hearing there's arguments at home and stuff. I'm kind of thinking, wow, what's going on? Like, so I call my mom and I was like, mom, what's what's happening? And she goes, oh, um, he came into the house and he was like, okay. This is um, the money that we got paid, blah, 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 blah. So my mum was like, okay, where's the receipt? Because obviously my dream always give the receipt. He was like, oh, no, there's no receipt. And I was like, my mum was like, okay, let me see your account, your online banking. He goes, no, no, you should learn to trust me. I'm your uncle. Learn to trust me, blah, 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 blah. So obviously my mum was like, huh, why are you so defensive? She was like, mm-hmm. okay, no worries. You know, she, she was just like, okay, but she's smart. My mum was very, very smart. She was like, okay, cool. She contacted Mandy from Matchroom, which organises all the numbers and the tickets, saying, oh, can you send me a copy of the receipt? Yeah. And obviously it was ten and a half grand more than what we got paid. I was like, I was, <laughs> that was even worse for me. Because obviously now I'm in another, I'm in the other side of the world. Yeah. And I'm hearing that and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, what is going on? Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking, what is going on? So obviously I fly back. You know, I know I enjoy my whole holiday and all of that stuff. So I fly back. I'm kind of like, like my mom explains it a bit more, a bit better. Like just re- basically a repeat of what I just told you. Hmm. I'm just thinking, what? no way. Like, and obviously this was at night, so I'm just thinking, no, 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 this can't be happening. I'm, f- I'm overthinking and shit. Like he wouldn't do this to me. Like after everything we've been through. So it was like, cause obviously I couldn't sleep that night. So I call him at around eight o'clock, eight a.m. or something. And, I'm, and I called him, I was like, yo, I've been hearing this stuff about you, money, blah, 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 whatever. And he was like, come to my house. Okay, so I drove to his house. He was just like trying to be pally-pally, whatever. But obviously I was serious. So he was like, okay, let's speak in the car. Already I'm thinking that's a red flag. If you mm-hmm. have nothing to say, why are you going to say let's speak in the car? We're in the car talking now. And I was like, and I explained to him, bro, like my mom saying this and that and that and that. And he was saying, listen, I never talk anything. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. Yeah, before I called him, I called Frank Smith, which is obviously like head of matchroom, to get a remittance, which is proof of transaction. So you can't lie about proof of transaction. Yeah. He was like, oh, um, yeah, he's gonna send it in a couple hours when the office is open, so in about nine p nine a.m. or something. I was still waiting on that while I was speaking to my uncle. So obviously, he's saying, oh yeah, you know, he tried to say some rubbish about. He made a deal on the side saying, you know, if it sold more than a certain amount, he got an extra bit. And I was kind of thinking, listen, mate, that would, if if you did, don't get me wrong, if you did, then that wouldn't be a part of my money. You would have your own little set fee or whatever. Yeah. 
because my dream is very very organized everything is down down the middle of them they wouldn't risk doing something like that risking their um reputation so i'm just telling him like right because obviously i kind of noticed that he took it like i can't like his body language so I, i even told him listen like if you did yeah even though i knew i wasn't gonna work with him again i was just saying that if you did just tell me and I'll tell my mum and everyone that Matri made a mistake. And obviously you give me the money, whatever, whatever. Like, I'll just say Matri made a mistake. Yeah. And he was still saying, like, just to see what you'll say. He was just like, no, nah, I never took it. And I was like, please look me in my eyes right now and say you never took that money. And he looks me in my eyes and he said, I never took it. And then he said it again. He said, I never, I don't know where the money went. Now, the, the <laughs> this guy, the way I know this guy, yeah. if, £50 went missing he wouldn't have left that O2 he wouldn't have left the O2 because he would have been looking he was. He would be like listen that needs to be paid so ten and a half grand. he doesn't know what ten and a half grand went missing come on we made a lot of money that night but we never made that much <laughs> we never made a million do you know what I mean for, for you not to care about ten grand and then that's all I wanted to hear really yeah. of him saying okay do you know what I never took the money and he looks me in my eyes as well I said okay do you know what I trust you and I drove back home. And as soon as I drove back home, they sent the remittance. And obviously, it was the same as the receipt. So then you know. So I definitely knew. Yeah. You, can't, you can't lie about that. You know, Matrim's HSBC account into his Santander account. You can't You can't lie about yeah. that. There's no... The, you, can't, you can't go around it. Do you, do, know what do you mean? still speak to him now? Of course not. Nah, <laughs> never never since then. No. Wow. Know, it's, not, it's, not, it's not even... It's not like... I hate him or nothing. No, it's nothing like that. I should thank him actually because of everything that I've learned, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I've grown into more of a man as well. You know, I Love should thank him. You know Love what I mean? Because it's 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 made me really made me a lot more wiser as well. Do you know what I mean? Like made me a lot more wiser because obviously I came into the game when I first turned professional. I was kind of like I was just excited, like the lights and the fame and all, <laughs> all of that. It was just kind of like wow. Do you know what I mean? So I was kind of like naive. But obviously now it's just like it's just business. It's just a game. You get used to everything. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's basically what happened, man. <laughs> Mate, that's amazing, man. Appreciate but you sharing it. I think like you know like, what a better example of sacrifice than that we were talking about that earlier. So yeah, yeah appreciate you sharing it, man. Yeah. So something else I wanted to talk to you about was I think obviously you know you've got an incredible mindset anyway. You're a really strong guy, physically but mentally as well. There was the fight where you popped your shoulder out. Mm. Can you talk us through the story of what happened and like how? How obviously physically that's a challenge, but mentally that must have been insane. Yeah, most people don't know this, but I popped it two weeks before. Really? Yeah, I popped what, it. What in training? Weeks. Yeah, in training. And obviously, then that fight got made. Like they were like, "Oh yeah, we've accepted a fight in two weeks." <laughs> and obviously, I didn't want to back down because you know Eddie said he worked hard to make that fight happen. Blah 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 blah. So we was training. I was just trying to. I was trying to use so much keno tape and whatever, whatever to just yeah. make it a bit better for the fight. I was just flipping stupid because I did, I just came in. I started boxing him, yeah, and I tried to fall right hard. And the crazy thing is, I hit him on the chin, boom, like, and he's he was wobbling. You know, this is Wadi Camacho. He was wobbling, and obviously, I came after him. You know, it was a it was an exciting fight because obviously, I was thinking this is like. This is like my big, this is my my breakout fight. You know, I think I had about four or five fights at the time and I'm fighting for a Southern Area title. Mm. So obviously everyone's like, bro, like, like, this guy has 10 knockouts in 16 fights. <laughs> now, everyone thought I was going to lose that fight. Do you know what I mean? Everyone thought I was going to lose that fight. Because obviously I was 21, I think. See if I was 21 or something like that. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be that hard, but I knew I was going to win this fight. Like, I said, nah, I'm going to win, you know. Because I used to watch this guy who was, watching him all the time like I was watching him like studying him day and night like because I used to I watched him I remember I was like 16 years old when I watched him win the prize fighter so this is a guy that I used to watch on TV as a fan and I'm fighting him in front of me like now like it felt so real like the first five seconds when the bell rang and he was in front of me boxing exactly how he was what fighting on TV when I used to watch him and his (laughs) eyes and stuff it kind of feels mad like, these are the guys that you used to look up to when you're fighting. Mate, that's like the Drake lyric when he's like, when your idols yeah, become your rivals. Yeah, <laughs> shit, shit it's, it's real, you know. What happened? The third round, yeah, was the round that really, that's the round where everything went, went sideways, boy. 
Was it the third round that you popped out? Popped out. So in, in reality, or any other time in training camp, if that happened, you would have pulled out the fight, right? Yeah, of course. But it's because Eddie Earn was saying he's put a lot of effort in to get the fight that you felt responsibility and you had to go and do it. Yeah. So, so then it popped out in round three. So it popped, like, I remember I threw a right hand or something and obviously it just it just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, it just kind of came out. <laughs> um, I was in excruciating pain, so I turned my back. And then obviously I realised, shit, I'm in fight, I'm in a fight. So I had to grab and hold him and everyone was like, what the heck is going on? Because obviously when he's holding, you can't really see what's happening. Mm-hmm. And the first thing, I never even thought, no, I'm in pain or whatever. The first thing I, f- I was thinking, yeah, while I was holding him and he's trying to, while I'm holding out, the first thing I was thinking is, why me? Like Really, victim why, mentality. Like, why me? Like, mm. I worked so fucking hard. I work so hard. Why does this have to happen to me? Like, and I was just thinking, bro, what the hell, man? Like, I trained so hard. I, I, I dedicated myself, you know. I've, got, I've gone this far, but this is, hasn't, like, why is this happening? And then I realised, hold on, this guy knocks me out yet. <laughs> I was thinking, hold on, this guy, I've got one arm and he ain't knocked me out yet. We had 30 seconds to go, so I just held on for 30 seconds and then got back to the corner. And then I'm telling the officials it was okay, it's okay, it's all right. But then I tell my uncle, like, listen, pull it back in this way. Obviously, we're speaking in our language. Was it killing at this point? Like, really painful? Ridiculous. But it was weird. Like, it was so painful. Like, my eyes were fluttering. But it was like a numbing pain as well because, obviously, the the adrenaline. So, obviously, it's a different type of pain. Like, anyone else would have just been like, no, do you know what? I'm quitting. So, was it another seven rounds that you had to fight like that? Yeah, but obviously it pops back in. Yeah, but it still hurt though, right? Yeah, it's hurt ridiculously. Like I couldn't use my hand, my right, my right hand for like the whole fourth round. Yeah. So pull it back. Like the craziest thing about that fight is that not once did I think I was gonna lose. (laughs) I don't know why, but I never thought once. Yeah, that nah. Do you know what? Shit, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I don't. I never thought about that one at all. I just thought so many people came out to watch me. Today is not a bad day to die, you know. That's what mm-hmm. I was thinking. And then now I look back at it, I think, this that's a crazy-ass mentality to have. <laughs> like, like, I was ready to go to hell and back. Like, I was ready, so ready. Like, it showed in that fight because in the fourth round, he's trying to he's trying to take me out. So he's coming, boom, 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 boom. He's trying to take me out. I'm slipping, I'm slipping. And I throw a punch and obviously we clash into each other because obviously he's left-handed, I'm right-handed. So obviously you're always going to have head clashes. Yeah. So he clashes into me, he cuts my eye. So everyone's like, oh shit, he cut his eye as well. Like, but obviously I didn't notice. Because yeah. obviously you're just fighting, innit? Like I've never had a head clash before. Like I've never had a cut eye before. So obviously you're not, you're not really like, oh shit, did I cut my eye? Or can you like, feel it or is that the adrenaline? Yeah, I can feel it. Yeah. I, could, I went like that and I just see blood pouring. Yeah. I was just fighting through it. I was fighting through it. Then I started realizing, yeah. Then I was, I was just thinking in my head, "You're not going to beat me." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just kept, like, I even started saying it to him, and I, I would see the look in his eyes, thinking, "Nah, I can't stop this guy," because he was just like in such shock, knowing that I came back from dislocated shoulder, car, I got whatever, and I'm still here, still trying to take his head off. Do you know what I mean? So I was just like, all these people came out here for me. I'm not gonna let them down. This and this, I'm gonna. You have to get, carry me out in a stretcher or something. <laughs> that's the that's the real mentality that I had. I said, no, I'm not gonna quit. It's like pure resilience. Yeah, yeah man. amazing man. <laughs> it's such an it's such an incredible thing to hear. Like someone like myself who mm. has, hasn't had that experience, but it's like the modern day gladiators really in it boxing. Trust like. me, man. <laughs> Trust me. But obviously, it's not. Modern day gladiators, yeah, but there's not many of them mm. because now it's like, oh, rah, if it gets too hard, they'll quit. I can just go be an IT, an IT guy, or work in an office or something. But me, I still have that mentality, yeah, like when I had when I was younger, that there is no plan B because mm. I think since I think from year nine I got kicked out of school from year nine. For, so I was out of school for like a year and a half. What did you get kicked out of for? I was just doing stupidness, fighting, fire, yeah. letting off fireworks, and, <laughs> you know, and like doing robberies with my friends and shit. And like, we tried to rob a cash box in, in Barclays. Really? Like idiots. Like, we didn't know. We was just young and dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, 
so I was I was always in the gym thinking now nah, there is no plan B for me so yeah. I would wake up watch boxing even I think I was like 15, 16 wake up watch boxing then go to the gym yeah. then run then we'll run wake up watch boxing who would you watch like who were like, like your boxing heroes everybody yeah. anyone you could name I, would, I was watching I was yeah. just watching everyone like trying to pick up one day I'll box like Mike Tyson the second I'll box the second day I'll box like Ali the third day I'll box like Mayweather I, just, I was yeah. just trying to do new things and which one the stuff that worked I would keep it yeah do you, who like who have you emulated the most do you think Um. what now or back then both let's do both both, both. back then I was probably emulating Roy Jones yeah I remember I used to emulate yeah, him yeah. a whole lot now it's probably a guy called Joan Guzman okay which is like two time world champion I think he's a quality fighter yeah do you know what I mean obviously he's retired now but you know he's a very very good fan. he's like a, one of my favourite fighters okay do you know what I mean but obviously he nice. was too he was too lazy <laughs> he, he achieved what he wanted to achieve but I think his weight issues and his discipline kind of let him down a bit yeah do you know what I mean but imagine a guy like that that was if he was if he was disciplined he would beat guys like Manny Pacquiao and stuff really like that's how good he was that's so good man I also think it's amazing like the idea of just not having a plan B like yeah, success yeah. is the only option it just drives it forward it's, it's a risk don't get me wrong yeah. but you don't want to be safe like you don't want to be like oh I have this so when because when it gets hard or when you're in a tough fight or imagine you get knocked down on something and the ref is counting and you're going to be like oh I'm, I could go back to that job you know mm. but no I don't want to think like that you have to think shit I have nothing you know if I lose this I have nothing that's yeah. why I was always going into all, my, all of my fights thinking if I don't have this I have nothing like that's how I used to think yeah serious motivator shoot <laughs> yeah so some of the things we talk about on here a lot is like failure and how failure gets growth and you know it's a really good way to get better at whatever it is that you're struggling with yeah I think something that's difficult with athletes in particular is that when failings happen, it's in the public eye. So, like, especially the one you said, there's 20,000 people there and you're losing. And, like, I think there was, like, 230,000 viewers on Sky. Yeah. Do you think you get, like, much bigger learnings and growth from a failure like in front of people or do you not think it makes um, a huge difference? I don't think it makes a huge difference. I think everyone fails at life. We just happen to fail in front of the whole world. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Everyone, everyone goes through it. Like, if you don't go through it, I quit a liar. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone goes through little um failures, but that they don't really want to tell anyone or that nobody really knows about. But it's just how everybody handles it different. And probably handling it in front of the public eye, because obviously there's always going to be haters and comments on, on, on social media. Everyone's just talking shit and whatever. <laughs> there's always going to be that. You can't really you have to take all of that with a pinch of salt yeah you know before i used to be like oh my days this guy said this about me and hmm. this guy or this guy said some great things about me or this guy said your shit or whatever but now you just have to take it with a pinch of salt everyone has an opinion you know yeah. so you can't really think too much of it in the world of social media it, it made every it gave everyone a voice you know before social media the stars on tv you would only see them on tv you would only see them on TV and you can't really talk to them or see them. Now, you can just go on Instagram, go yeah. on their page and comment on their shit and they'll see it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, it's 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 given everyone a chance to just say some bullshit behind the computer or yeah. behind the phone. That's the world we live in now, man. Yeah, I know. Like, it humanises people. It's good because you can see, like, the reality of what people do and you could probably share, like, your training schedules and stuff like that and motivate, inspire people as well. Yeah, yeah, But then, obviously, it's got that negative as well. Bullshit as well, yeah. yeah. All right, I wanted to ask you a couple of things about boxing in general. So, I wanted to talk to you about, like, the whole Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder thing and, like, the Anthony Joshua. Like, who who would you like to see fight next? Where... You know what, Tyson Fury, let's just say Tyson Fury is the best out of all of them. Do you reckon? Yeah, 100%. Man. Yeah? Well, like a proper boxer? Yeah, he's the best. Like, best, best, best. You best, think he'd best, beat best. AJ? Yeah. Really? He'll, he'll beat AJ. Do you reckon they were dodging that fight? There's a lot of bo- boxing politics behind it. Mm. Obviously, AJ is a cash cow. They yeah. want to keep that train running. You know, that's like the gravy train, man. You want to keep it running as long as possible. <laughs> But I would lo- I would have loved to see Wilder versus Joshua. It's whoever lands first. But yeah, <laughs> Wilder he got that power that you want to just go to sleep. Like, <laughs> Joshua Joshua he has them hammer hands in it, and he's so quick with it as well. 
So you, it's just crazy. Like I can't believe Fury got up off that punch. Yeah, yeah, oh, I'm mad. See that? See, uh, that's the reason why he'll win because if yeah. you can get up from a shot from Deontay Wilder <laughs> like that, yeah, you can in the twelfth round when you're exhausted as well, you can get up from anything. Right? Yeah, 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 mate. So what about yourself then? Who do you, who would you be your ideal opponent? Who would you want to fight? Do you know what it is? I've never really thought about that. Oh. Do you know why? Because I always think yeah, if I'm a hundred percent mentally and physically prepared, yeah, I'll be anyone yeah. that be put in front of me. You know, that's what I always think. So it's not really about the opponent, it's about how I'm feeling. Mm. You know, forget the opponent, the opponent's just there. But yeah. I'm never thinking, oh shit, it's him. I'm thinking, listen, if you if you have the best of me, there's no chance you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna beat me. Yeah, I love that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's 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 what I always think. Just focus on yourself. Yeah. You have to, man, because shit man. If everything that's happened, you have to focus <laughs> on yourself. And what's the ultimate goal? Shit world champion man yeah that's the the first stage just world champion pay-per-view star you know turn into a pay-per-view attraction <laughs> be the best that I can be and, and just inspire and help people around me if I can come from nothing you know in, in, in a flat in Brixton when it was just my mum and my, and my um sisters like if I can just come from a flat like that yeah, yeah from nothing didn't have a pot to piss in I didn't even have one pound for Mufti Day yeah oh. we used to have syrup sandwiches <laughs> like oh shit yeah like if I could come from that and not have nothing come on man you can you can achieve anything and it, and, it, and it's quite good that I went through that because it, it made me more gritty oh man it made me more rough like knowing that right you know what I came from this I don't want to come back to this so I have to just work even harder yeah man you know just just to inspire people man just to inspire people knowing that listen they'll be like listen he's from Brixton if he if he could do something then I can do something that's, that's amazing mate thank love you, it man. <laughs> honestly it's so good so nice thing else like, well we do the same three questions at the end of every episode I just wanted to ask one more before we jump into them three yeah so something I find interesting is obviously in boxing like a massive part of it is like trash talking and I think what's great about you and is what I've seen from you today and what I've seen from you in other interviews and on TV and stuff before is that you've always got a massive smile on your face <laughs> yeah everyone says that man everyone says that so how do you like how do you be so happy and positive and like have that vibe about you and then get in the ring and fight someone it's kind of like a switch yeah you know, it's kind of like a light switch you know when to turn it off you know when to turn it on like when I'm having my way in and stuff like when it's closer to the fight you're more cranky man you're more like annoyed <laughs> at everything because obviously you've worked so hard but you obviously you, you're in the public eye you can't really like, if you want fans want pictures and stuff, you can't be like, no, no yeah. you have to, do you know what I mean? You have to, it's part of the job. Yeah. You know? It's just like a switch. Because as soon as I get in that changing room, getting ready to fight, I'm, you have to just be different. Yeah. And I think what helps me a lot with that is the music. You know, you just mu- listen to music or, or some rap music or whatever. And you start getting into that zone. Like, listen, you're, you're going in into your job where, everything you have right now is defined by what happens in that ring mm. do you know what I mean that's, what, that's how I pull it it's obviously it's like putting a lot of pressure on boxing but that's basically the realness yeah everything I do all the, the nice things I get to do like the money and holidays and whatever happens because of what I do in here so it's not just about winning anymore it's about winning the style being entertaining it's, all, it's about something completely different now you know so it's just about performance now it's not even about if I'm gonna win or not the mindset where I'm at now yeah it's like it's, I'm gonna win but it's just how you do it like and how you do it while entertaining and people go wow shit I wanna see that guy again yeah. you know what I mean that's 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 where I'm at right now so it's just like, kind of like you know you just gotta play with it man you gotta play a log you know you just gotta you know, <laughs> smile and all of that. But yeah. when it's time to fight, <laughs> game on. This game on. Yeah. yeah. How much of the trash talking's real? Some of it's real. There's always truth behind the lies. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Some <laughs> of it's real. Do you know what I mean? Like with me and Lawrence, I don't know. Like some of it was real still. I yeah. Mean, like, definitely. Definitely. Y- you're not mates still now. No. <laughs> 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 so it's good, man. It builds. It builds rivalry. Boxing loves rivalry, man. Yeah. Look at Ben and Eubank and stuff, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Oh, that's gonna be. I good. don't have a personal problem with him, but when I see him, fuck you, innit? Yeah. All right, man. Amazing. So the last three questions. Yeah. The first one of these is: Is there anything you've discovered or 
done or seen recently that you're particularly excited about? Shit. I learned how to fix my washing machine. <laughs> nice. I know that's random, innit? But obviously my washing machine wasn't working for months, innit? Mate, obviously that's ownership to the next level. The stills are flooded. It's obviously, this guy put, took out the fucking thing at the bottom and it was like a little drain. <laughs> took it out took and emptied all the water and I was like, shit, it's working again. I was I was absolutely baffled. Like, I was like, what? I, will, I looked on Google, I asked people, like, nobody knew how to fix it. Bruh, I was just surprised. I was so fucking shocked now. It's <laughs> 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 random, isn't it? I know. I love that though, man. That's such a good answer. All right, the second one of these three is, if you had to give somebody one piece of advice of a habit or routine that they should incorporate into their day that's going to drive their performance what would that one habit or routine be? One that, I'll, I'll give them one that really worked for me and it's, um, don't look too far ahead, just take every day as it comes. So like, you wake up, for example, let's let's say for example, you wake up at 8am, yeah, you wake up at 8am and you think, okay, this is what I'm going to do at 8am, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go train, and then when I go train, I'm going to watch boxing. After boxing, I'm going to go for a run in the evening. And then that's it. Don't look past that. Mm. <laughs> just just focus on the training, then watching boxing, then the, the run. And anything else you want to eat or go eat food or whatever. You do whatever. But focus on that day. And then when tomorrow comes, just focus on the tomorrow. Just focus on... Where, where you're at right now like the present mm-hmm. you know because just keep adding up them days and you'll see a difference you yeah. can't keep fucking thinking oh next week next year or whatever yeah. oh, you, oh you're thinking it's too long because the, the time will pass anyway do you know what I mean mm. the time will pass anyway so you just gotta be like you just gotta be like okay do you know just take take your time like just take your time and don't look at anyone else's obstacle yeah. You know, I, I remember when I was a junior boxer and I was watching guys win the ABA title and get entered into junior ABAs and box for England and get picked for these stuff and all of that stuff. And no matter how many national titles I won, I never got picked for none of this shit. I was kind of thinking, like, I'll would, I would be like, bro, why, why not? And now they're fighting on my undercard and I'm headlining mm-hmm. the O2. So you, you never know what can happen. Do you know what I mean? You never know what can happen. That's why it's kind of like always focus on yourself and take one day at a time yeah I love it man (laughs) trust me man yeah amazing mate alright so the last one of these three is imagine there's two versions of Isaac if you take yourself back to let's go back to when you were 11 and you're just about to start boxing what's the key differentiator between the version of yourself who went on and smashed it in boxing had all the amazing success that you've had to date and the version of yourself who wouldn't have done all those things my mentality, man. I think it's just a mentality. I think everything comes from the mind. If your mind can think, like you can have the fastest hands, whatever, great, best boxing ability. But if your mind is not on it, yeah, you can't do it. Like when it gets hard, you're gonna fuck up. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's not like obviously it's a hard game, but you can't keep thinking, oh shit. It's, like, it's all about your mentality, you know, and your attitude. You know, you gotta be like sometimes when I'm feeling tired what I'll do is I'll just put on some some gas music and be like do you know what I'm on it today like I'm, I'm on it I'm on it like you have to keep telling yourself I'm on it and you start to be on it like you know you'll start to proper be on it and that's what I, I kind of think it was my mentality man and if I could tell some if I could tell the 11 year old Isaac if I could go back and tell the 11 year old Isaac shit I'll be like just just stay committed man do you know what I mean? Just, just, just don't worry about nothing. Because before, when I started, I was worrying so much about everything. I was such an overthinker because I wanted it so. But you know, when you want something so bad, you, you think too much, man. You know, when you want something so bad, you just you think, oh shit, man, I'm gonna, am I gonna do this? I'm gonna do this. I don't think so much. Just, just keep committed. Take out. Just give the same advice I gave before. Just take every day as it comes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I just take every day as it comes and just just keep on it man because I remember when I was younger I used to be like I wouldn't say I was scared but I was kind of like you know like before I started boxing I had low self esteem and because mm. remember no one told me I can be something so that's why I was like do you know what I mean that's why I was like that because no one told me I can be something 
I was I would have just been following everyone else like from the hood like just fucking about doing that selling fucking selling drugs and shit do you know what I mean I would have been where I am if it wasn't for the boxing coaches I would have just been around the area still or something or in the bookies in Brixton or something or then or in prison or something you know so shit man I'm thankful man amazing man shit mate that's so good mate (laughs) honestly thanks so much mate I really really appreciate it no mate it's been a genuine pleasure speaking to you I've really really enjoyed it so thanks Thank you, man. And, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, mate. If what's... I did it, didn't record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine. <laughs> oh, mate. What's, what's, uh, what's coming up then? What what can we look forward to seeing from you? Um, Hopefully a very big announcement coming soon. Yeah. You when know, can we expect that? Hopefully by... Hopefully by March. Yeah. You know, hopefully by March. But at the moment, I'm just going to keep working in the gym. Yeah. You know, but just a big announcement is going to be coming soon. But, you know, as I've said in the podcast, take every day as it comes, man. Yeah. You know, I can't really just keep waiting for things. But I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just going to take every day as it comes, you know. Yeah. I just keep working hard. Well, mate, I'm looking forward to seeing all your success, man. Thank it's you, been a man. pleasure. <laughs> Appreciate Thank it, you, Isaac. Thanks, man. Thank you. So there it is, guys, a truly amazing story. What a hero Isaac is, and only 24 years old. He has so many amazing things to come, and I can't wait to see him kill it. After listening back to this myself, I was incredibly inspired and immediately asked Isaac whether he would be open to doing and being involved in a free event for kids in the Brixton area where we'd do a live interview and possibly have another speaker come in and and do some motivational content as well, to which, of course, Isaac said yes. So if you're listening and live in the Brixton area and would be interested in attending this, let us know on Instagram and tag Isaac and myself on your story and say you'd like this to happen and you want this to go ahead. You can get at Isaac at Chamberlain underscore on Instagram and you can get at myself at Whittle Take Flight and Flight is spelled F-L-1-G-H-T. And if you liked the episode anyway and aren't interested in the event, then please share as I think Isaac's story needs to go far and wide because it will inspire so many. Speaking about sharing, I just want to say a big, big thank you to everyone who has shared the podcast in their stories on Instagram or anywhere on social or messaged me directly. I'm getting messages every day now and I love hearing about how you're being inspired to take flight. So this episode is the last in the Take Flight in February series. So sadly, we'll be going back to a fortnightly release for the time being. The next episode isn't recorded yet, but it's going to be a great one. I know it. And until then, stay positive, stay motivated and take flight.